The Sour Hour is meant for the serious brewer. The Sour Hour may contain some seriously funkified content. The Sour Hour is not for the faint of heart. So exercise some damn discretion, would you please? Sheesh. And now, here's the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin. All right, it's that time. It's the Sour Hour. We're back for another episode. Made it to episode three without being canceled by the Brewing Network higher-ups. That's it's pretty good. It's been picked up for a third season. So, yeah, I'll count that. Good, three seasons. Good sign. But we're kind of, if, if it's the third season, that's like entering your prime, and now you got to start wrapping the show up almost. So Yeah, because you want to go out on top. You know? Yeah. Yeah, before everyone wants you gone, you get gone. Yeah. Right. Like the show Lost. No, let's not get into that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Jay Goodwin. Uh, we're at the Hop Grenade in downtown Concord. Um, here with Scott, who you Hello. just heard from, and Bevo. In I the be, back. She's just settling in. With some sour beer, I hope. No, yes. she gives two thumbs, thumbs up. Two thumbs up. <laughs> now, Bevo's got the auto heartburn these days. Yeah. Yeah. She like she looks at sour beer, and the esophagus just uh, does not agree. Yeah. We got some other cool beers here to try, though, at the Hop Grenade. Always a great tap list. Um, but it's not just uh, the regular cast here right now. Uh, we've got my co-founder, my good friend, Alex Wallace in the studio. Hey, Alex. <laughs> great to be here again. Yeah. You might remember Alex from our appearance on the Monday session uh, featuring the Rare Barrel. But not only is Alex in here, we've also got Roberto from Hop Tech Homebrew. How's it going, man? Turn your box on. Turn your box on. Turn that box on. It's something about dock seat. Roberto's in dock seat. uh, Oh, Oh, that's what it is. Okay. Oh, I fit right in there. (laughs) Perfect. So it's good. You're a little too coherent, though. Yeah, trying to get a little drunker. We're working on it. No, a side, a side note: uh, Alex went and got some dental work done this morning. Oh, from the DOC? From the DOC, yeah, you, yeah. Your your mouth looks all right. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm alive and doing a lot better than I was earlier, and he's uh, he's pretty impressive. Yeah, he's. A I was per- I was expecting a beer uh, on the table uh, at seven thirty this morning. No, um, he's he's all business in that in that oh, exam yeah, room. He was all business. Yeah, it was great. Well, you're looking fresh and clean, Alex. Thanks. So uh, this is the Sour Hour. We're here to talk about some sour beer tonight. Um, if you want to get involved, you can go ahead and call us, 888-401-BEER, or join us in the chat. Um, I think we've been getting some emails during the week uh, sent to Scott at thebrewingnetwork.com. Indeed. Um, if you want to watch us, you can see me with my awesome free Giants shirt, because the Giants are playing right now. This is going to be a very distracted show i, I think. Know. You yeah, know we got first pitch mm-hmm. happening what four minutes ago and it's on here at the hop grenade in downtown concord and we got some people giving me some score updates uh, one zero are you kidding oh, in me in a good way awesome is it one zero giants one zero already giants. yeah i got our gm yeah, yeah. I, just heard, <laughs> I just heard people yes. cheering already <laughs> look at that Giants, baby. start talking about it yeah so we're gonna be pretty distracted in here um we'll be talking tonight with uh Corey king He's the head brewer at uh, Perennial Artisan Ales, and he's also the founder of Side Project Brewing, which, believe it or not, is a side brewing project of his. And we'll get into that a little bit more with uh, Corey a little bit later. But I know that they had a bet uh, with City Beer Store in San Francisco where they bet some beer on the World Series 
they lost because the Cardinals uh, lost to the Giants Indeed, in the NLCS. Hmm. And they're going double or nothing because I think uh, Phil, their brewmaster, uh, is a lifelong Royals fan. So maybe we'll get into that a little bit with, uh, with Corey and see how it goes. But it's not going well for them so far. <laughs> it's a bad bet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so yeah, like I said, we're gonna have Corey King on in a little bit. Um, that's really exciting because Corey knows his stuff on sour beer. He's got some of the most sought after sour beers, uh, in the world. I think it's, it's actually fair to say, um, the stuff he's doing both with perennial and side project have garnered rave reviews and, you know, tons of admiration from the beer geek community and people are always after his beers uh so we'll get into a lot of those uh topics with Corey in a little bit but uh it's kind of an interesting time i was thinking here at the brewing network because uh some people left behind and then there's some people having a good time in australia right oh yes any update scott um, well, it's pretty much what you just said. I'm, I'm sitting here <laughs> rotting with you. And yeah. Everyone else is living it up in Oz. Uh, no, the updates is that uh, the, the conference was uh, apparently fantastic. Uh, lots of good seminars, great turnout. People were really into it. Uh, a lot of people seeming to be uh, stoked to hang with uh, Tasty and Justin and, and everybody. So I think we've even gotten a couple of questions uh, in the email uh, from Aussie listeners. So we even have a, a little Aussie contingent on this show. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Well, let's definitely uh, hit those up a little bit later. And uh, it's great to see, you know, craft beer, especially the American influence on craft beer spread internationally. It's not often America really has an export of its own. And even this is kind of like stolen imports turned into exports. You know, yeah. you think about American IPA, West Coast IPA, you know, that's definitely something that we stole and now is being stolen from us a little bit by countries around the world, which is pretty exciting uh, just to see American styles kind of flourish and us get our own footing um, as brewers here in the United States. Everybody steals from everybody else. It, that's the way of the world. There are no original thoughts. I'm sure the Europe, before we stole it from the Europeans, they stole it from, uh, I don't know, the, the Martians. Yeah, for sure. Anyone who... Uh, Knows me well, knows I love Aaron Sorkin, the creator of The West Wing. And he has a quote that says, good writers uh, borrow from other writers. Great writers steal from them outright. <laughs> right. And that's the difference. Exactly. So, we're definitely going to talk a little bit about that with uh, Corey and some of the some of the beers that he's brewing. Um, speaking of sour beer, one thing I wanted to get into for a brief minute was uh, something I saw on the interwebs, on the social media that all the kids are using today. And it was a clip from uh, a show that occurred today titled The Today Show. I believe it's on NBC. Never heard of it. Yeah, me neither. But anyway, they did a short segment, um, and I clicked on it, and it turns out to be about craft beer. Quickly, it turns into a segment about sour beer and who's on it but our good friends, Walt and Luke Dickinson. Oh, the Wicked from Weed Wicked Boys. Wicked Weed on The Today Show. Wow. Sour beer, making it big time. And it was awesome because... Uh, they had one of the Today Show correspondents come out, and he's trying their sour beers. He's got the phase going, and it's like, okay, <laughs> this is not for you. But then they throw it back to the studio, and all the anchors uh, in New York or wherever, they're they're trying the beer, and they try uh, Black Angel, which is an awesome sour beer from Wicked Weed, and they're into it. They're like, wow, this doesn't taste like beer, but I really like it. Interesting. One guy even starts kind of to chug the beer 
on the air, which is cool. It's yeah. like, yeah, sour beer can be drinkable, too. Yeah, you know, you really have to, I'm, I'm, it's been said, I'm sure, but you really have to prepare people for what they're about to drink. I'm sure you guys have a ton of experience with this operating this tap room where that's all people are going to experience. You have to tell them it's going to be tart. I mean, hey, do you like sour candy you did growing up? Get ready, because this is going to be real tart. And then they take a sip, and then you got to tell them, take a second sip. That's really shocked your palate. Take another sip. And I'm sure that's, I don't know, what, what is your process? I mean, you just uh, spoiled what I was going to talk about, oh. and that's the three-sip rule. <laughs> no, <laughs> the first sip. State it better, yeah. You know, what we'll do at, at our tasting room, if someone comes in as new to sour beer, we'll, we'll explain the three-sip rule. And that is that the first sip is going to shock your palate. Second sip, you'll start tasting the beer more like you should. By the third sip, you'll be cruising. But just it's all about positioning uh, people to expect that this is not what you should expect for beer. This is different. It's something different. It's going to shock your palate right away. And just be mentally prepared for that. That's kind of how it was for my first sour beer experience. No one told me what I was drinking. I took a sip and I kind of just gave it back to my friend and went on drinking my just outstanding IPA from Kern River. Um, And then uh, by next time I got a sour beer, someone said, hey, this is a sour beer. This is what it's going to taste like. They didn't explain the three sip rule, but by positioning it to me that way, it really helped out for me kind of opening up to the beer and really giving it a chance. And next thing I knew, you know, I kind of snowballed and that was all I wanted. You, yeah, you cannot just let people take that one sip and hand it back because that's what they'll do, right? They'll just slide that glass right back to you. All right, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the flavors that you get in sour beer uh, can't be found in other foods. And so it can be a very foreign experience. So it really helps to position them and position everyone, you know, in the, the right mindset to be open to it. You know, I had a question for uh, you, Roberto. When people are coming into your shop and they're asking you about brewing a sour beer, you know, that can be a, a little bit daunting. How do you kind of ease them in? You know, we talked a little bit right there about easing people into drinking a sour beer, but h- how do you ease people into brewing a sour beer? Well, first thing we do is ask them if they have a lot of extra, extra equipment laying around. Right. <laughs> okay, so once you got that, and it's all downhill. Uh, basically, you just want to start with a nice, clean beer and then go into secondary with your uh, either bread, lambicus, or... Uh, Some of the souring bacteria, yes. yeah, for sure. And that, I like that. You know, it's that's how most people make sour beer, and it's like a, a nice couple-step process, but you are right. You know, you have to preface it with, do you have the equipment? Do you have the space at your house to do all this stuff? So, because you're going to brew a lot of beer that just kind of sits right and takes up what space, carboy space, physical space. Absolutely, and you need, uh, you know, if you want to keep your uh, brewing equipment separate, you might need to duplicate some things. But yeah, you're basically talking about a uh, a beer that's going to be in secondary for a long time. So you need a space that's. That does have some amount of temperature control. Um, doesn't have to be actually like an air conditioning unit. But, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, find a closet where you live that doesn't face any of the outside walls. So the sun doesn't hit it. And it's like that's like the best place to put a carboy that has, you know, very little temperature fluctuation. Let's uh, let's do a question from the email as it pertains to uh, producing just the, the first steps, producing the, the wort. This yeah. is from Brandon Zetti's. He said, hey, fellas, a question on uh, wort production for cybers. Uh, it is necessary, uh, is it necessary to use whorl flock and yeast nutrient while making the wort? 
All sources I have read say to make the wort using normal processes, but all of the recipe information I've seen doesn't state whether or not to use those things. He said he got the American Sour Beers book but hasn't quite finished it, so maybe it's in there. But he said he's planning on brewing 10 gallons of uh, Jay's Golden Sour recipe and splitting the batch between Y.E.S. Rosalaire and Y.E.S. Belgian Lambic blend and pitching Russian River Dregs when they become available. So does he need to use World Flock and yeast nutrient with the wort? I'd say yes. Um, you know, I think that is good advice to follow your normal processes. Um, and also, it's awesome that you're going to try out the golden sour recipe. And I like that you're splitting it off. You know, that's uh, kind of like Roberto said. If a lot of people are out there, they want to start this sour program. Uh, and if they're anything like me, they kind of go a little bit overboard when they start like a new project. So I know before we started the Rare Barrel, um, and these are still in my parents' basement, but I just did a ton of different yeast and bacteria experiments. So I got like, I don't know, 20 uh, one-gallon jugs, and then I just bought every bread, every bacteria I could, and then just fermented it, in a, and I just made you know some extract wort on my parents' kitchen uh, countertop and then just let them go. So I had you know 20 uh, carboys lining the steps, the treacherous steps down to my parents' basement, which is where they keep all their expensive wine. So I was just worried that they're going to like trip down one of the carboys and like mess up all their bottles of wine, but they're actually still there. I need to go get them. <laughs> yeah, we should check in on those. Yeah. I bet, you know, there's a couple that are probably still good, but they've been ignored for a long time. Are they, it's, they're, they're still full sitting on the staircase? No. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's been some evaporation, which is kind of the part that I'm worried about. Because with, with those jugs, you get these kind of wide shoulders, and as you fill them up, they're kind of coming to this very narrow opening. And so if the beer is just in that narrow opening, then you got to think, okay, that's not that much surface of the beer to air ratio. But once you fall below that narrow opening... You're going to that wide shoulder part, and if that's where the beer is sitting, just imagine your carboy at home. You know, you leave that little bit extra because of your croisin, your primary fermentation. You don't want it to go everywhere. In a secondary environment, you want to fill that sucker to the top because that's when you're getting a narrow exposure instead of that wide exposure that you get when it drops below. So I think a lot of those beers are probably bad for that reason. Evapor- evaporation over, man, I don't know, two years? Yeah, two, at least two, two years. Two and a half years. I can't believe you've neglected them in this way. Haven't your parents... I've been, I've been busy making a lot more <laughs> sour commercial beer. <laughs> Haven't your parents been like, uh, hey, Ace, you got a warehouse now. Would you get these the hell out of our of, of our basement? We're, we're like, we're tripping over them on the stairs. They do mention that from time to time. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I don't... You know, Jay, you actually, you kind of applied that, that homebrew technique and, and scaled it up to the professional level, too, uh, with batch zero, right? That's right. We do. Uh, we did brew a batch that we kind of didn't count in our batch count, which we called batch zero. Um, and it was almost the exact same thing, except I just used oak barrels instead of one-gallon carboys. And that really influenced what yeast and bacteria we were going to use first at our brewery. Uh, you know, we kind of fancy ourselves doing a, a program that's kind of like a survival of the fittest when it comes to wild yeast and bacteria. Um, and this was the first step in that. So the best uh, blends that came out of that were the first three or four batches of beer that we made at the Rare Barrel. So it wasn't uh, you know without purpose. And we did taste those one-gallon carboys along the way. It's just, yeah, they're just still sitting there. So sorry, Mom and Dad. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's what it takes to kind of start up and experiment. And 
you know, we're, we're, we're better off for it. Um, but, uh, you know, one thing that that led us to is kind of some of our further experiments. Um, one of them I just want to touch on briefly is the one we're drinking right now. It's a beer called Cosmic Dust. Yes. Hey, I got to show the label. Bebo, what camera's on? I got to show the label here. You got the, uh, the, the guest cam. Give uh, Jay's cam. Yeah, Jay, hold that up because this is, uh, I feel like you guys designed it uh, for the uh, Brewing Network audience, did you not? That's, that's correct. And it's, uh, it's a very elegant label. If anyone's listening in the chat, I'll, I'll challenge you to this. Name this mythical creature mm. on the label, and then we'll give you the answer after the break. You like that? That's a tease. That's professional. Oh, I thought you see. Now, if you were Jamil, you would have just stopped it after the break and then looked at me like, why aren't you playing the break instantly? Well, so here, here's a confession, <laughs> Scott. I was supposed to start my timer when we started the show, you didn't do it. but then I didn't, so uh, I you, didn't know how much time we had left. Yeah, actually, you're, you're right on here. We're about 15. You're, you're perfect, baby. Perfect. Okay, great. Well, I'm just going to touch on this beer real quick. Um, so it was a, a it was a second generation uh, Britannomyces Clausini brew, and that fermented for just about a day. So we oxygenated our gold recipe, did the Brett C, and then second day we added uh, a starter culture of uh, Pediococcus. Um, this was our first beer brewed with Pedio. So after 20 batches of beer, we just did our first one on this one. And um, it's got it developed this kind of cool, spicy, cedar-like character in the aroma of the Britannomyces. Um, and we liked it with uh, kind of a more fruity, floral, juicy secondary ingredient. So we decided to add uh, hibiscus flowers. Um, and that really gave it a really nice color and this nice floral aroma to go with this kind of cedar-spicy character we got from the Brett. Had a nice tartness from the Pediococcus. And... Uh, Everything kind of just came together. Uh, I know we talked a lot on the last show about uh, Great American Beer Festival, and we had Lauren Salazar, and she talked about the special beer she was going to have. So we we went to our our first GABF uh, as the Rare Barrel, and we came back with a gold medal for this beer, which was just absolutely crazy. I mean, It's not that crazy. This beer is a gold medal winning beer. It's It's phenomenally good. We look at the other beers in the category, and it's like, you know, it's, you it's, it's humbling and it's exciting at the same time because the other beers in the category, well, just, you know, these are our friends. We know how great their beers are. And to just for one moment be judged as, you know, the best at that time, that that's something pretty special. So we're what, pretty happy about that. What was the silver and bronze beers? Uh, silver was the Commons Myrtle. Yeah, Myrtle. And you guys I, have bottles in the fridge. Yes, I we saw. do. Yep. Phenomenal sour. I went over there afterwards and tried that one. Really enjoyed it. I'm blanking on the bronze right now. Was it Russian River? No. no. Was it New, New Mexico? Yeah, I think it was a New Mexico brewery. Um, no. no, not that one. Let's name 10 more New Mexico breweries. <laughs> <laughs> or we'll, we could take a break. We'll look it up at the break. Well, I do, before we do. Chat ahead. room says Pegasus. Nailed oh, it. correct. Bingo. That's no? what I was going to oh, say. Oh, what was it? Pegasus. Pegasus. So yeah. Scott said unicorn which is incorrect and then i said something else didn't i you said centaur yeah i did yeah, yeah. So, what's a centaur that's like a half man half oh, horse that's, yeah. yeah 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 Sorry. haven't you ever seen harry potter and then i think i heard <laughs> horse in there too horse yeah uh, did i say horse yeah it was horse well that was yeah. a sarcastic first answer <laughs> but does but, it have the unicorn unicorn yeah it's thingy? got it's got the horn yeah so pegasus oh, yeah. as i understand it is basically a unicorn with wings with wings Right, yeah. mm. which we did not know until we had this late. We kept saying, "Oh, check out the 
unicorn on our cosmic dust label, and someone's like, that's a Pegasus. <laughs> okay, now they're saying it's an alicorn or Pegacorn. We'll have to check that out. they're making up words. I think they are. <laughs> you know what's funny is I, there was an episode of, I think it was This American Life, and some guy was talking, or I think it was a girl, she was saying, oh, I thought unicorns were real my whole life, and until I got to college, and in my freshman dorm, we were sitting around, we were talking about like endangered species or something, <laughs> and it came up, and she was like, what about unicorns? Are they endangered? And everyone just like, everyone in the room kind of slowly craned their head to look at her at the same time. And, Wait, uh, she got into college? Not knowing, yeah. She, oh, yeah. Well, it was probably junior college. But in any case, she Not had UC no Santa idea. Not Santa Barbara, I can tell you that. <laughs> Maybe Santa Barbara City. But the thing oh. is, is her, her, her reasoning was, was perfectly logical. She was like, it's a horse with a horn. Like, there's moose. Are there not mooses? Yeah. Like, that's, is that that outlandish to think that there's maybe a horse with a horn? And she has a point. Yeah, when you put it like that. <laughs> Does anyone yes. have a straight horn? Oh, well, unicorns. Are they in danger? That's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's the, the hibiscus. What form is are the flowers in when you put it in here? They're dried flowers. Um, we get them from a local uh, spice shop, and they're just like I said, super floral. We do uh, one pound of them in an oak barrel. So standard oak barrels, fifty nine gallons. So you homebrewers, if you're you know trying to remake this beer, I've actually already gotten a couple of emails in the last week about people who since they saw us win, they they've been trying to. Uh, make the beer off of our gold recipe that we talked about on the last show. So that's that's really cool. And is it are so? But you have like a set amount that you put in, not like for example the ginger and the sour tooth tiger, where you were putting a little bit in, tasting it, waiting a week. You just know what you're putting in with this. Well, we made them at the same time. They were both what we call at our brewery single barrel releases. Um, so we just try out uh, a secondary ingredient on one oak barrel and start at a really low volume, and then kind of build up. As we, you know, taste every couple of days. So um, this one, I believe, we just hit it with a pound to start. And we're like, oh, whoa, that's that's fun. Which I don't like to do because that means I was, you know, dangerously close to going too much. Right. But, you know, those are the the breaks when you use a lot of new ingredients and a lot of different ingredients. So, yeah. But we'll get into that a little bit more. We'll get into sour beers a little bit more with uh, Corey King, who's our guest tonight. Head brewer at Perennial Artisan Ales. And the founder of Side Project Brewing, you're listening to The Sour Hour on The Brewing Network. We'll be right back.
we're back. What was that song, Scott? This is Knowing by Outcast from okay. uh, Speakerbox, Love Below. It's a little funky. Yeah. Fits in the theme, I Exactly. Think. It's kind of like a funky hip-hop album. I like that. And I also just like the song. That's good. All right. It's the Sour Hour. We're here in downtown Concord at the Hop Grenade. You're still with uh, Roberto from Hop Tech Homebrew, Scott and Bevo. Uh, and we're going to be joined in a little bit by, or maybe even right now, by Corey King. Hey, Corey. What's up, dude? How's it going, guys? Going great. How are you? Uh, doing well. Cool. Yeah. Full Thanks intro. Me. I'm really, this is on, I'm honored. You guys want to talk to me about beer. It's crazy. <laughs> of course. Well, you, you know, you're <gasps> kind of becoming a beer god for all your beers at Perennial and Side Project. Full intro is Corey's the head brewer at Perennial Waters Nails, and he's the founder of Side Project Brewing. Um, how's that all going? I mean, wearing two hats, basically being the the brewing guy at two different kind of well-known breweries. How's that going for you? It's busy. It's real busy right now. Uh, but no, it's going well. It's going well. The uh, Here lately, a perennial just even being head brewer there, they've moved me more of in a role of just like, I'm kind of just director of Oak now. So just messing with the barrel program there. And Side Project, obviously, is all barrels. So... My job is kind of almost shrunk a little bit, even though I'm taking on a different role there. Um, so I can just kind of stay back in the barrel room or hang out, play around with some stuff. That's awesome. And that's, that's, uh, this is a man after my own heart. I definitely <laughs> had a similar path where I was brewing a lot of beer at the brewery and then kind of just decided, you know what? All I really care about is barrels, yeah. especially sour beer. <laughs> yeah, I got to tell you, Corey, I'm always a little worried for uh, any brewer who attempts to, uh, serve their sour beer immediately after anyone has drank a rare barrel sour beer because we did have the cosmic dust uh, in the first segment and now we have poured your apricot sour and uh, but i gotta tell you man it holds up beautifully this is outstanding this is world-class sour beer well thank you very much i really really appreciate that that's uh so you have apricot du fermier i believe is what that's I correct yeah um it just released that not long ago and that's just kind of a play on my saison uh saison du fermier it's a barrel fermented saison um got mixed cultures in it actually has wild missouri yeast and bacteria in it now and um you know i wanted to add some fun fruit to it but not lose the saison-esque-ness below it so it doesn't have a ton of fruit but then it does have a ton of fruit and it's kind of a kind of a play there as opposed to my normal sours if you've had any of my other sours they are very very fruit forward sometimes but um but yeah following up cosmic dust is a tough call because uh you guys out there have uh, done pretty well the last couple uh, uh, competitions you entered with your sour beers. So congratulations, by that way, buddy. Oh, thanks, man. And, you know, uh, it was cool. Corey was able to come by the Rare Barrel uh, a few weeks ago. I wasn't in town. I was getting uh, very drunk in New Orleans. But uh, <laughs> hopefully uh, hopefully you had a good time when you came to visit. I did. Your place is beautiful. Um, you know, sitting there just looking at oak. I could sit and stare at oak all day. That's just, just loved it. And uh, the beers are awesome. You guys are making some killer stuff. And I can't wait to get back out there and actually meet you officially, too. So, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, now that you've seen the rare barrel, how does that compare to your space? Or maybe just describe your space from the bottom up for those who haven't been there before? Yeah. Um, so, here in Missouri, our temperature flux, I believe, is a lot different than your guys'. So, um, most of our barrels are actually stored under grade, so like in a cellar, an actual cellar, um, at our building at Perennial. Um, so Side Project is a completely separate brewery. I own and operate that fully myself, and then it is, however, inside of Perennial, so almost like a gypsy brewery slash, but I actually do the brewing myself. So it's a very 
private label, best way to describe it, like the wineries do. So all of our barrels are housed in the exact same facility under the same under the same roof, um, under grade, temperature regulated. Um, Perennial now has let's see today I just filled the hundred and second whiskey barrel. And then on the other side of that, they have a bunch of sour barrels. I think a perennial was about about 200 and 250 oak barrels, a fooder, and um, some punchins. And then for side project, I personally have um, 110 oak barrels, the 59, 60-gallon oak barrels. Um, I have 12 punchins filled and a uh, 70-hectoliter fooder filled as well. So um, kind of a much smaller program for sure than your guys's. Uh, but uh, housed in a very small space, and we're really trying to hopefully within the next year or so find a new space to grow because our, our oak program is getting cramped, and uh, that's, the, that's the side that Perennial definitely now wants to focus more on as I've taken that rollover. And then obviously for side project, I need more room myself, which just makes sense to look for a space together since I do both of those jobs. I'm, I'm interested to hear uh, the differences, if there are any, of the apricot editions, because we here at the Hop Grenade, it's either still on or it was on yesterday, the Rare Barrels apricots. What's it called, Jay? The... Map of the Sun. There you go. And and so uh, are, can you each describe how you add the apricots and if there's any differences? Yeah, sure. Corey, why don't you go first? Yeah, sure. No problem. Um, so on this one, I, I try to source as much local fruit as possible. Unfortunately, in Missouri, there's one apricot grower. And when I called them to discuss apricots, they laughed at how many I wanted. So um, for this beer, I actually purchased apricots from Oregon Fruit. Um, so fortunately not, uh, you know, they're not, it's, it's still real fruit puree. And um, I added these directly to the barrel and I did re-fermentation in oak on this. Some of my fruit beers I do in a separate like fruit tank re-fermentation. Um, but on these I did straight back into oak and let it re-ferment back out. Uh, waited till it hit dryness or till I thought it was you know mature enough, and then bottled it up, and that's pretty much it on that one. Not not too too complicated process. And what was your uh, poundage per barrel? Uh, that one was I added 120 pounds per oak barrel. So even though it was a 60 gallon barrel with the displacement, um, that's probably about 15 gallons. So 120 pounds to 35, 40, 30, 40 pounds, 40 gallons of beer probably. Okay, great. And actually, it's funny because we did the exact same thing. You read no, except, no difference. <laughs> yeah, we we love this uh, uh, supplier. We have Oregon Fruit Products. They kind of make these fruit purees for breweries. Um, but we actually went a third of the apricot edition. And uh, Corey, we'll have to send you out some map of the sun. We actually just bottled it uh, this past week. So. Uh, save some of your uh, apricot beer for a little side by side there, but this this beer is tasting great to me. And and just from a sensory perspective, I think the big difference for me with your apricot beer and ours is actually not the additional apricots; it's your yeast profile. It's got this great complexity that's adding this depth to this beer that um, you know I think is missing in, in our map of the sun. Map of the sun for us is kind of a beer that has a a clean aroma, a pretty clean acidity. Um, but your, your beer is amazing. It's got this awesome complexity to it. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about uh, the nature of your house mix culture, which I've heard you talk about, mm-hmm. in comparison to the the wild culture that you guys maintain. Are those uh, separate entities that you have to manage separately, or is it all kind of part of the same mix? They 
for so now we're talking more side project stuff really perennial i'm i'm more cautious on our batches um you know since i don't own that company i want to make sure when i produce a batch for them you know and we're filling 40 to 50 oak barrels i want to do it where i can replicate it in the future in the future side project sometimes i am um, a little more adventurous for sure so my cultures tend to have a lot more stuff in them um, the apricot Dufermier, the saison culture that you have, or the saison that you have right there in front of you, started with uh, four separate bread strains, two lactose strains. Then it got a dose of wild Missouri um, yeast and bacteria that I had isolated in an oak barrel. I mean, honestly, that was the only way it was isolated. It was an oak barrel. I pulled some of those out, grew them up a little bit, dosed the saison. Um, I've done that over two sub- uh, subsequent years of redosing wild Missouri yeast and bacteria, and now I feel like I'm at a good place where my saisons have a house character that is side projects and to where I like. Um, at the same time, when people ask me what's in it, I can honestly tell them I don't know really what is in it. And I think that's, you know, that's that 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 extra little bit of wild yeast and bacteria um, really helps add the depth, complexity, the uniqueness to hopefully my beers that people taste that doesn't taste like anything else. Cause I can't just go to the store and buy these Brett and lactose strains any longer. Um, it is truly a Missouri Saison. Hey Corey, you can help us uh, answer another question here. This one comes from uh, rich from silver Springs, Maryland. He said, uh, the rare barrel so far has used lacto as its sole souring microbe. That's true. Right. Jay. Not actually. But continue. Okay, so all right. Uh, so he said, he said, given that lacto tends to quit relatively quickly after the beer reaches a low enough pH in alcohol, uh, it seems to make sense that the souring potential of lacto is achieved relatively quickly. What then is the rationale for aging their beers upwards of twelve months? Is it solely to develop Brett character? And even if that is the case, uh, aren't you the rare barrel better off pitching Brett after primary in order to encourage that Brett expression? Love the show. You guys are the best. That's a that's a great question. Um, so, is his premise right? First off, that that lacto tend, it quits quickly after the beer reaches low low enough pH and alcohol. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it go, go lower than. I mean, depending how your pH meter is calibrated for us, it's about three point three, um, which is you know a solidly sour beer, um, and you know what what's the point of aging it all those months? Well. It, it really takes these beers. I mean, pH is one thing. Taste is another. So it's not just, okay, this beer's done attenuating. Okay, this beer's pH is where I want it to be. So, you know, I'm a robot and that's, there's input, output. It's just ready to go. There's, there's a sensory aspect to it where a lot of these beers have a lot of rough edges. We've had beers that um, we'll do a primary with Brett and Lacto and they will leave the fermenter going to the barrel uh, with a 3.3 pH and attenuated pretty much all the way down where they, they're tasting great. I mean, they're probably 80% of the way done after two to four weeks. But what I like to tell people is that we may get 80% of the flavor in a month, but the last 20% is the next nine months, the next 12 months, the next two years. I mean, it's just, it's the difference between a cloudy, a little bit harsh, a little bit tannic, sour, and a nice, rounded, drinkable, delicate on the palate, complex beer. So, so it, it's it adds kind of a softness, which you know I, I can understand is uh, not a very concrete thing. 
but it's something we strive to accomplish at the rare barrel where we're, we're really not releasing a beer until it's, you know, in its prime for what we think. But I don't know, Corey, what are you, what are you seeing when you're, you're going from your kind of early sour beers to, you know, the six or 12 month aging process? Yeah. Um, as mentioned by that question, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the lab grade, Right now, lactose strains you can buy do kind of want to quit early, but that's not to say that there aren't wild lactose strains out there that do a lot of other crazy things. And, I mean, Cascade, I'm pretty sure, has a lactose strain that is huge ABV tolerant, just absolutely like in the over 10%. So to say that all lactose strains, you know, produce acidity early and stop is, is, is one train of thought, but I have whatever's in my culture, I do have a lactose strain that will produce um, – up to a pretty substantial um, ABV tolerance, um, and it develops slowly. Um, I don't get quick acid by any means. Um, my beers going into well, the saisons going into oak taste like saisons. They don't taste wild in any nature whatsoever, um, but they do develop well and they do develop quickly. But the other part of that whole aging process too is is the oak character. Um, I really. I'm a huge fan of oak, and I don't put these beers in oak just because. It's because I actually want some of that oak character. And whether that is a roundness or a mouthfeel, um, that adds a little bit of depth to the beer overall. And, you know, if if it needs to stay in oak a couple more months to get a little bit more oak out of it too, I, I'm definitely down for that. And that's where usually my saisons range um, more on developing of the oak as opposed to developing of the beer because they are a shorter time than the long-term sours. Where if you're talking about a 12-month to an 18-month sour, I'm not really talking about much oak. You're talking more about what Jay said about rounding out the beer and just getting beer to maturity. At least that's how I do things. And Scott, Scott, there might have been one end part to that question. Uh, Something about adding Brett after a lacto primary. I didn't quite catch that part. Uh, I actually, uh, I closed it. So let Corey uh, tell us what he uh, opened in the background. Yeah, we did hear a uh, a cap hit the floor, Corey. What are you drinking? America wants to know. I'm sorry. I'm I'm drinking Beer Dupay. So this is my yet-to-be-released table saison. Um, Getting ready. I labeled it up today, so I'm always... This is my my QA lab or whatever you want to call it. It's just me drinking the beer on the couch. (laughs) So um, it's a little table saison, four percenter. same mall bill as my grisette, but it has uh, oud fermier cultures in them, which is uh, my saison cultures um, with an extra heavy dose of wild Missouri yeast and bacteria. And it was aged in um, used Chardonnay barrels, relatively neutral. And uh, I'm getting ready to release it shortly and just kind of drinking it right now, seeing how it's going. So The uh, last part of Rich's question was, uh, what is the rationale for, uh, is it solely to develop Brett character, all that aging? And he said, and even if that is the case, isn't the rare barrel better off pitching Brett after primary in order to encourage the, that Brett in, uh, uh, expression? Uh, no and yes. So no to the part where it's not to encourage Brett character. We, I mean, if we want to do that, that's what we do. But this experiment just happened to be... Um, uh, a Brett and lacto primary fermentation, which kind of discourages Brett character coming out in our beers. And uh, yes, to the second part where, yeah, the later you add Brett and the more stressful the conditions, the more exp- expressive it's going to be. So I just want to wrap up on because I knew I forgot, you know, one half of that question. But, uh, Corey, I wanted to ask you about, you know, you're you're drinking this uh, low ABV sour. And again, man after my own heart, a lot of our beers at the Rare Barrel are 4 to 6%. 
what do you think the market is or why do you make sours that are not, you know, I mean, you make like a lot of 6% sour beers and you mentioned, you know, Cascade, they're making higher ABV sour beers. You see a lot of breweries, you know, if they're going to put a beer into barrels, it's got to be high alcohol. What are, what are your thoughts on all that? Now, Corey, wait, before you answer. We're going to yeah. tease it because we're going to take about a three-minute break here because I want to get another one of Corey's beers. Which is a lie. He wants to check the score of the Giants And I want to see the <laughs> World Series game. Too. No, I'd really what, – what should we pour next here, Corey? Uh, you what do you us. have in front of you? What do you have here? Um, they're, they're in the, the apricot. Yeah, and the rest of the beers are in the walk-in. Did you, did you have one of your cronies send us uh, the beers, or do you remember what you sent? I sent – I just trying to remember what I sent. I grabbed the um, Unblended. It is my – First spontaneous beer release. Okay, so we'll answer that question uh, when we get back, yes? All right, we'll be right back. Yo, I create off drunk drops and eight away black tops. Grab the mic so you don't react. The double X polo shirt with the hat to match it. Fact, we verbally vibrate your track. Then crush your confidence like plastic condiments. Build you up to break you down like forgotten monuments. The question is this, will they return with the hot shit or keep it on the low? Yeah, and for you confused bastards, tune of the blues masters. Quick to grip the mic, cruise fast and sound clash. And critical mass, pitiful blast and been deflected. Hypodermic vocals are flashed you infected. I don't sip on brew, so this bud's for you. Speak what's spoken to whenever you come through. My vibes fill you and turn on your revenue. You run prostitute for little or no new. Cause a lot of these kids think that commercial is rock and fly suits and jewelry. But we can rock shows with no rehearsal with the rebels of rhythm and you. Yeah, cause I'm nice, smooth, hard as a bone. Since I pick up the microphone, I'm hotter than Brimstone. The rays are sharp, crossbow, accurate, and drop the multiverbal milligram supplement. Plus, invent, be your Gold word advance, been too legit to quit before the hammer pans. The hair it too, the pen converted words to some and say blacker than the New York Harlem Renaissance. No call, we paint a darker picture in your sector. Perfect verbal architecture, sparking lectures, lyrics infectious. Fuck your Lexus. If you ain't giving God the praise, then it's useless. Like when MCs try to make hits and them shits flop. Running races like they was Penelope pit stop. Envelop the hits, rock bottom. The fish jock got him souped up, but his rhyme is beating his boots up. Like that, like that. Check the profile, it shifts like sun clouds, crisp like young smiles, we rip and run wild, intent to rock clouds, some bite like rock wilds. Your game is disconnected, misdirected, disrespected. When we come in, expect some next shit. The J U R A, classical forte, get low down and dirty like the air My heart pumped the rhythm of the militant street light. Soldier with composure up under the street light. The pro style, prototype, professional media light shine bright. Now kill all the bullshit, cheap talk and lip service, jealousy and Envy and undertone curses in your verses Heard the purpose of a nigga living nervous Unsure and uncertain but about the short circuit hey,
Hey yo, my gift the gab should be sold in bags. Boost up the price tag, make a whack rapper mad. Rely on my right side, secure and I take tight, tasty tangibles to your man. I'm yeah. the Easily, tuna me, cleverly swelling my treasury. Vocal pedigree for you critics who try to measure me. But leisurely about to run you down my resume. Had a bundle of struggle from birth to my present day. Your love don't compute, perhaps you need a boost. A magical flu, some nose candy to two. Before you get loose, express and tell the proof. You claim you got the juice, but you lame and out the loop. So I associated myself with fossilized figures. Crack the summer sizzler, hit the real live niggas. My influence is gunshots and trauma units. Street trends with material world friends. Like that. Hour hour here at the Hop Grenade in downtown Concord. Our guest tonight is Corey King, sour beer master from Perennial Artisan Ales and Side Project Brewing. Uh, you know, one one thing I wanted to do, which I neglected to do earlier, was give a little background on Corey for those who it is hard to believe but have not heard of Side Project or Perennial. Um, Side Project is just absolutely killing it with saison wild beers and sour beers um i checked uh, a couple of days ago and i think five of their beers uh are all on the top 50 american wild ales on beer advocate oh they're incredible man 10 percent of the list of the top 50 uh is just from side project he's got a beer called fuzzy which is number two in the world it's amazing crazy and this hey uh cory Jay's telling me there's only like a hundred bottles in existence of this unblended. Is that true? Um, I'd have to count. It's 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 a little bit more than that, but there's not a lot. It was one barrel. It yeah. was actually one barrel of uh, beer that I bottled up. Um, how many cases? There's more than a hundred, but um, I want to say there was maybe thirty five cases because it's the small bottles. Ooh, you know what I mean? And a lot of them stayed at my place. Um, so <laughs> that, that's so generous of you to send it to us, man. Thanks. Oh no no! It's it's a fun beer, and I'm really proud of it. And uh, I know you guys will appreciate it. And I wanted you to um, to taste. I guess what you can say on that one. That one's actually St. Louis, so you can taste St. Louis in that one. Yeah, this beer is awesome. It's nice and and subtle. It's got some cool like watermelon. Yes, to it. Yeah, that is exactly what I'm tasting. I don't know. How would you describe it, Corey? Yeah, the that was the thing with that beer. There, that barrel. Um, Tasting it out of the barrel was crazy. The coming straight out of the oak, it tasted like lime, like just straight mm. lime juice in yeah. a good way. You know, not like margarita. Everybody was making fun of it. Like when I described it as lime, like oh, like a margarita. I'm like, no, no. Like it had this really cool citric note. Like never had I had a beer that had really, um, pretty much. It kind of you know tasted more like citric acid than anything else. Like got a huge citric note out of it. And just that one barrel turned that way, and it's a full spontaneous beer. I have a little mini cool ship uh, that I filled and um, didn't do a turbine mash, single infusion mash, you know, simple Pilsner, um, and I used malted wheat in that one. Um, Hit the cool ship, filled four barrels. The other three were delicious, but this one was just like a standout. The other three are still aging. Uh, But this one just tasted so 
unique and awesome by itself. That I was like, all right, we're gonna have to figure out how we're gonna do this. And so now, because of it, we have this whole idea of unblended. So anytime I have a single barrel that I love, it's side project. I will label, you know, bottle it under this unblended label. And that one actually, if you look, says unblended number forty. That is barrel number forty of my inventory. So um, hopefully, I find more gems in the future, and I can single bottle release them or single barrel release them. But uh, but yeah, very citric, very fruit forward. Um, the acid combination in that, just the citric, the lactic, um, was so great uh, that. I, I just was like this. You guys have to taste it like this. I mean, I'm not a big Brett character by any means, but uh, yeah, just a fun, fun, to me, delicious beer. So let's not uh, commit one of the cardinal sins of radio, which is to tease something without paying it off. So, uh, Jay, could you just briefly uh, restate the question from before the break? Oh, yeah, if I remembered it. What was the question? <laughs> I don't fucking know, man. You're the host. <laughs> it was something about low ABV because I was trying to That's remember right. Because I didn't want to forget it over the uh, the break. Because uh, you were asking about beer to pay, my little four percenter that I'm making. That's that right. Beer. See, we have too many side project beers here, and we're getting mm-hmm. you know a little distracted. <laughs> They're so good. Between that and the Giants game, man. Yeah. Um, the Royals are winning. It's very upsetting. Royals winning now. Yeah, it's a one run game. One run game. Ooh. Yeah. But anyway, I wanted to get your take, Corey, on just like you know how you see sour beers going in the future, and you know the high ABV versus low ABV kind of trend in sour beers you know what what do you like what do you like to see out there i like delicate and balanced you know that's my biggest thing um but but the low abv yeah is, is a big thing going forward for me just as i mean i'm not that old but man i feel old some days and so i like drinking low abv stuff it's just more pleasing you know i don't drink beer for the alcohol really i drink beer because it's delicious and to my wife and i had our first trip to europe earlier this year and to go over there and sit and drink nothing but three, four, and five percenters all day, every day, and they were always different, always delicious, was just, I was jealous. And so I'm really trying to focus more on low ABV going forward, and I do plan on Side Project making a lot more low ABV stuff. And I don't know, I just it's kind of that, I think we all go through it maybe with, say, even hops. When you first get an IPAs and you go to the hoppier and you want hoppier and you want double and you want triple and you want this biggest IPA, and then you kind of come back, and you're like, man, this is this is more where my palate is, and we kind of do that with sour too. We go sour, 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 and then we kind of come back and find our balance. And maybe I'm doing that with ABV as well. I don't know. That's awesome. I mean, like I said before, it, it's what you just said is totally my philosophy too. I'm I'm much more into balance and delicate with with a little bit of complexity more than you know. I I really could care less about alcohol when it comes to sour beers. It's mm-hmm. it's almost it's almost an afterthought to to flavor. We talked a little bit about you know this unblended batch forty. Uh, one one of your beers that I that I want to dig into a little bit, and maybe you can kind of just go through it on like a start to finish basis. Is yeah. a beer that you know when when I said we were going to get you on the show, a lot of people asked me to ask you about, which is fuzzy. Could you just take us through the process of that beer? You know, just kind of beginning to end. Yeah. Um... So fuzzy is fuzzy's cool. Fuzzy is um, it's a Missouri. It is a Missouri beer, which I'm very proud of. Um, most of the cultures in that beer for fermentation are wild yeast and bacteria from Missouri. Um, it had some other cultures in it as well. 
And as you, I think you asked earlier about how, you know, I separate out my wild stuff from my souring cultures, which would be more lab grade. Pretty much everything is morphed into one now because I really want to make sour beer from Missouri. So anyways, it started out as two separate cultures blended together for that beer. Very simple little sour blonde. Fermented it right in Chardonnay barrels, aged right in the Chardonnay barrels. And it just so happened that it was hitting maturity uh, midsummer, and I knew that I wanted to fruit some of it. And um, I had never had a white peach sour. I couldn't find even really any white peach sours. And white and peaches grow very well in Missouri. I When I pick fruit, I pick fruit based on the fact that if I would sit down and eat this fruit and it's delicious, then I want to put it in beer. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. Like if it's good fruit, it's going to go in, in the beer and hopefully it adds something to the beer. And white peaches to me are like the best variety of peach. And uh, there's a farm down in southeast Missouri not far from where I grew up that grows a lot of peaches and contacted them. And they said they had white peaches. And uh, I went down and bought a full truckload. And next thing I knew, I was adding them to beer. And uh, fuzzy is what came out of it. I took fuzzy for the first time to Fobab. And uh, it did really well. And things have kind of just blown up from there. But uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a little sour blonde beer. You know, nothing special. Pilsner, wheat. Um, I use that in a lot of my sour blondes. My cocktail is kind of my own. It's tough to let, replicate for anybody else out there, really. And then um, the peaches come from one farm that I will continue to reuse. And that's that's about it on that one. I don't know. You know, it sounds it's, – it's not as complicated, I guess, maybe as it sounds sometimes on these sour beers. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> I've heard a lot of great things about that beer. So I think we might have a bottle over at the brewery. So I'm looking forward to trying yeah. that. I didn't know if I sent one in the package or not. I couldn't remember. I, yeah, yeah, I think you did. Okay, good. Okay, good. I mean, yeah. that's, uh, I, I couldn't remember if I sent one of those or not. I could. I, I packaged everything up yesterday and overnighted it. I was like, God, I got to get that to you. So I, I apologize if it's, if it's not in there. But uh, let me know what you guys think when you get a chance to get to it for sure. But I don't know what other details people want on that. I mean, that's the one beer that I probably won't share too much on how much peach and everything I add to it. I, people have me quoted as saying four pounds per gallon, and that's around right it's not <laughs> but it's a lot of peaches you, you just know? gotta go to southwest missouri to get them right and you have to go to south yes down in southeast missouri to get them southeast from one missouri. Farm. Yeah. so i mean you know but it you know every every place you know, any farm could grow good white peaches and stuff it just so happens that that one I, they were picked in the morning and they were putting the beer in that afternoon and whatever was on those peaches too added something to the beer you know you can't say those peaches there was nothing on them so that had to be part of it as well and uh yeah it's uh, it's delicious. It's done me well, and I like to drink a bottle every now and then and see how it's doing. So it's always fun. <laughs> awesome. So, Corey, I mean, we've talked a lot of sour beer tonight, and we're running out of time a little bit. But I wanted to get one more question in on the wire, which is, you know, what do you think the biggest mistake in sour beer making is? And I guess it's, maybe it's a two-parter. What's yeah. the best piece of advice you can give to brewers who are starting to make sour beer or, you know, in the midst of a sour barrel program? Cool. So, uh, man, the biggest mistake right now, kind of, to me, maybe two things I find that a lot of a lot of breweries are making mistakes on, and just because it's sour doesn't mean it's good. Um, that's a big mistake, I think, going forward. And uh, hey, Corey, can you just say that one more time, please? <laughs> say it again. <laughs> I'm serious. Oh man, yeah, it's just because it's sour doesn't mean it's good. Thank you. And that's it's a big it's a big issue, and it's it's an unfortunate issue, and. Um, I've drank more nail polish remover in the last last year than I ever intended on ever doing in a lifetime, you know, and uh, and that that right there is, you know, part of 
and acetic acid. Every, people love their acetic acid because it's super sour. And acetic has its places, and it also doesn't have its places. And I find that to be and also like a big problem uh, with a lot of the sour beers produced, um, uh, you know, from a lot of producers. And that that probably has a lot to do with just people getting their fingers in the barrel all the time, wanting to sample, wanting to show them off, or temperature regulation, or just their cocktails. You know, they're just not – they don't have a good starting base to go forward with. So those right there are kind of my biggest – you know, things right now with, with a lot of the sour beer. It's unfortunate because sour beer should be delicious. It should be delicate. Um, it should be appetizing. Um, there's a reason that people fell in love with beer a long time ago when it was only sour. And uh, and it shouldn't be harsh. It shouldn't be harsh. <laughs> and then what was the second part of that question? Best Just, piece of oh, advice. Oh, best piece of advice. Don't be afraid to dump beer down the drain. Mm, I've heard that. You know, I mean, it's, there's nothing better to say about that, really. It's just just don't be afraid to dump beer down the drain. It's, you're not going to make 100% of your barrels, sour beer especially, turn out right. And people make the mistake of like, well, we'll just blend this one barrel and these other 20 barrels that are good, you know, for the volume because they have to sell it or something. And it just takes everything over. And then you've lost, you know, you've actually taken away from the beer. when you, All you got to do is just dump that one barrel and remove it from, from whatever. And it's like you just got to just... It's all about your palate, you know? If you can't stand behind it, why are you selling it? And there's a lot of people doing that because they have to or they think they have to. And these beers are a lot different than than all of the other, you know, stainless fermented two-week beers out there. And I know it's hard for these guys to take the time and go, man, I've invested a year in this and it's not, you know, it's not exactly what I wanted, but I think I'll still sell it and I can put a good price point on it. And that destroys what we're really trying to do um, in making these beers, Preach. I love that. <laughs> I don't know who's preaching. I don't know. Sorry. If if I got if I sounded preachy, I apologize. No, I like that. No. You're you're speaking the truth and you're getting a lot of head nods in the studio right now. Roberto so. over here just uh, threw a rug down and about towards Mecca. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right, Corey. Well, I want to thank you for your time. One thing I want to just wanted to mention on our way out is that uh you're starting a tasty room d- dedicated to side projects, is that right? Yes, thank you, Jay. I appreciate that. Um, we sure are. Actually, right before I got here, I, I am an amateur carpenter on my off hours now. And um, we are starting a tasting room for Side Projects. It's going to be called the Side Project Cellar. Um, it should be opening up in uh, early November. And it's going to be in Maplewood, Missouri, for anybody that ever travels to St. Louis and wants to come see us over the holidays. And uh, we will have Side Projects as often as we can. Uh, I have been saving inventory, and I am trying to produce more. And uh, more beer we'll see draft for the tasting room. But on top of that, the tasting room is going to be – it's got like three different temperature. I built my whole draft system, three different temperatures. I got 24 tabs. I can do all my own gas blends. And I want to serve other Belgian beers. It's going to be a Belgian-inspired beer destination as well um, for just properly pouring and serving beer. I didn't find – I couldn't find a place that I thought Side Project could be poured at properly, uh, 100% properly locally. So I was like, I'm going to create my own. And because of that, we also decided we're going to serve other beers as well and really try to showcase what beer can be and, and how it should be presented. So, yeah, it's called the Side Project Cellar, and it should be opening relatively soon. Any other plugs, too? If, uh, website, anything else you uh, wish to uh, get out there so folks can come find you? Thanks. Uh, I'm not very good at this stuff, I guess. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sideprojectbrewing.com. And I do most of my uh, marketing release info, all that fun stuff, via Twitter, which does feed my Facebook page. And I am Side Project Brew on Twitter. 
uh, and me personally, I'm Corey underscore King underscore it on Twitter, which I do perennial and side project from that. Um, so yeah, that's about all the marketing stuff I do. Just making beer. That's awesome. And (laughs) speaking of the beer, if anyone is, you know, going to plan on visiting the side project seller, I would say get there right when they open, because as someone who's seen a, a, a sour beer tasting room open and then almost ran out of beer, you want to get there early while they do have side project beer. You know, he's saved all this beer for you guys to try. Get there early because it is going to go fast. That's and, for sure. Yeah, when the beer is as good as uh, Rare Barrel and side project beer, it just it doesn't last. Word spreads. Absolutely. Well, Corey, thanks so much for joining us tonight, and let's uh, grab a beer soon. Yes, and we're going to drink more of your beer when we get off the air. Thanks so much again for sending that out. No problem, guys. Thank you for having me. Really, truly, it's an honor. I super appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. Corey King, head brewer at Perennial Artisan Ales and the founder of Side Project Brewing. Wow. That's Whoa. a lot to say. These beers are Oh, they're stellar. Awesome. God damn. If only this sort this sort of stuff was more widely available. I mean, I understand I mean, it's one guy and he's just not making that much of it and you know, it's the long turnaround time, but this stuff is just fantabulous. This oh, is a boy. good job. Can I quit? My job at the Rare Barrel and just go Brewing Network full-time? Yeah. People just send us sour beer here. Yes, I know. <laughs> you don't even have to make it. Yeah, you have to work for free for about five years, but you're absolutely more than welcome. Okay. Well, all right, let me work at Rare Barrel for a few more years, and then... Bebo's then counting we... on her hands. Five years? Uh, yeah, not so much. All right, uh, well, I think it's uh, break time. Yes, check, we're gonna... check Giants time? Yes, and uh, we're going to go a little over on this show again. Maybe we're just going to have to permanently call it this hour, hour and a half, because there's just too much to get to. So we're going to take a really quick break, like three minutes, okay. and then I want to get to some of Roberto's uh, um, homebrewed sour beers um, in, the, uh, in the last segment. Yes? Yeah, let's do it. Looking forward to it. You're listening to The Sour Hour on The Brewing Network.
back it's the sour hour my name is jay goodwin we're here in concord california at the hop grenade there's a lot of people here tonight hey dad go flag down roberto will you where the hell did he go jesus we've got some uh unknown beer in a glass in front of us and uh i guess is it his uh homebrew sour beer yeah to well, the best of your knowledge it is definitely what he did was uh the, we did an, uh, an aha rally at heretic mm-hmm. uh back in i believe it was april and uh, Heretic gave away some wort that day, and I believe that he used that wort, and he pitched uh, a rare barrel uh, dregs and uh, made this sour beer with it, I, I do believe. There you go. But, I, knew, I knew I liked it. Right, <laughs> right in time for his segment. He, he bailed and is nowhere to be found. Well, the Giants did just tie the game. They so did. He might have gotten a little excited out there. But uh, is, are there any questions in the chat maybe we look up? Or? Oh, I see him coming back. Luckily, my, uh, my folks uh, happen to be in town. and uh, I just my, met, I met Marty. Oh, yes. Yeah, very the, nice gentleman. One of the uh, Hop Grenade partners. What do, what's your deal, Roberto? You, you, you take off right when it's uh, time to talk about your beer? Get over to a mic, will you? We need to know about this beer. And Marty's also joining us to, <laughs> uh, to taste the beer. So No, he doesn't want he, a microphone. Yeah, he, yeah, He's the silent partner. All right, so tell, I was just uh, <laughs> describing it uh, basically that it's uh, you, the wort that um, a Heretic produced and you pitched uh, Rare Barrel Dregs. Is that right? No, not dregs. I actually got a pitch from Jay. Oh. Uh, How about I, that? I was friends with Alex. We met at a, uh, what is that, uh, Winter Brew Fest. I've uh, never heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, this guy just kept coming over and trying my beers and trying my beers, and I just didn't know who this guy was. And when he was leaving, he handed me his card, and yeah, so we kind of... Shook hands. And mm-hmm. So, but thank you, Jay. 
Oh, oh thank you. The yeast was awesome. Hey, you made the beer, and it's, it's tasting great. So tell, walk okay, us, walk us so through. The, this, this is only six months old. Uh, I did not make. I pulled one of yours. <laughs> I did your job. Uh, I didn't make the wart. Mm-hmm. Heretic made the wart. That sounds, just that added, sounds familiar. I just added your yeast to it. Wow, that kind of sounds familiar. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh. For but those who don't know, they, we work a lot with Heretic on our, our wort production. Then we handle the fermentation and barrel aging after that. But continue. How, like, where? What was the vessel that you aged it in? How did all that go? Okay, so what I did was I, I fermented it in, in a stainless steel, 15-gallon uh, keg, da, 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 uh, just like us home brewers do. And so, and it was strictly with your pitcher yeast. I made a starter, so it was ready to pitch when I got that wort, and so it went right into action. When once it was three quarters of the way done, went in the barrel. Awesome. And so a, a previous La Follet barrel, I had done the recipe out of that 250 clone magazine, and the Rosalera yeast. A gallon barrel, inoculated it well, and so it just did a pass through, and so this beer is only six months old. That's great, pretty, <laughs> pretty, uh, you know, advanced for six months. And and then I also have it here on cherries and blueberries. Oh wow, yeah, there there are many kegs, more more kegs than usual in the studio. Roberto rolls deep. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got the, the hop grenade tap handles, and we got gas-powered uh, kegs here in the studio. Amazing. And he's pointing at his tattoo on his wrist. Roberto doesn't mess around. What, is that I, a... Uh, I, actually, I am your, uh, uh, what is it, pantless asshat pimp of the That's year. true. Yeah, indeed he is. Yes. Of what year? This year? Or this last year? year? 2013, year. I believe. No, this year. No, well, we did the awards in 2014, but oh, it was for 2013. Oh, fine. Okay, so, so you still so got a way to go to repeat. I have to, I have to, I have to work harder. Work harder. Yes, absolutely. But so I am. So up against the, the beers we were just having, the differences that I notice, as and I mean, it's a tough act to follow when we're drinking homebrewed sour beer after two of the best commercial examples what there yeah, ever was. I kind of wish I would have went first. first. Yes, but so but now now that we have this to compare it to, and I mean, and this is really the goal of the show, right? Is to get people to get as close to commercial quality or, or, or the highest quality sour beer you can make as a homebrewer. And this is some of the best homebrewed sour beer I've ever had. But there's a couple things I notice where it differs. And maybe this is just due to age. You guys tell me. One is that it just it doesn't quite have as bright of a character uh, that the three beers that we've had, two of the side project and one of the rare barrel. It's it it's flavorful and it's pretty clean. There's a little bit of 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 that buttery on the nose. Jay, you tell me if you disagree. Um, it's it's slight, but it's there and it's just not quite as bright. So do you think that's do you think that's it, it, it will get that way as it ages? And tell me if you agree, first of all. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good summation of what's going on. I mean, it's it's a really, really good beer. I have to just, just start yes, with that. that's a given, yes. Um, there's a great malt character to it where there's some, some chocolates, a little bit of sweetness, but not a cloying sweetness. Um, you know, over time, the attenuation will continue, and it's going to be, you know, drying it out a little bit more. Um, and... You know, uh, like um, our our emailer asked uh, earlier. You know, the the lactobacillus in our blend, you know, only goes so far when it comes to acidity. And 
you know, on the homebrew scale, it's really hard to get it up and roaring. And, you know, I know, Roberto, you said you made a starter. Uh, you know, what I like to do is kind of make, and, and one thing I've been thinking a lot about is, you know, how homebrewers make sour beer. I really like the idea of homebrewer keeping one of these one-gallon carboys around and just feeding it wort every once in a while and then just dumping that wort. Taste it, see how the culture is progressing, but also, you know, don't put the pressure on yourself to just use that, those sour beer cultures right away. So where you're using this, uh, you know, either it's a lab pitch of Brett and Lacto and PDO or a mixed culture from a lab or your homebrew shop, um, you know, really give yourself some time to develop that culture, make it hardy, um, you know, give it a gallon to ferment for a month or two, and then just decant that off and refill it with your next batch that, you know, doesn't have too many hops or isn't too crazy flavored. But, um, you know, I think, I think this beer, uh, would benefit from the strain being hardier. Um, but you know, it's a great start and I think it's, uh, it's doing really well. Are you guys enjoying a, a second, a second version? Yeah. And I'll, I'll pour you some in, in just a second, but first of all, this is one of the, uh, the fruit adjuncts, which one is uh, blueberries. Okay. So now I think this one is, is a stronger beer. Um, it is, it does have a little bit more of that bright character uh, from the fruit, I'm assuming. And it doesn't have that... What is the butter? Is that... It's not oxidation. What is it called? Diacetyl? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't... I don't get that nearly as much. Um, okay. There, so, there could be... And we can talk to Roberto. He's pouring my beer right now. But uh, we can talk to him a little bit about how he did the re-fermentation on this. But oftentimes... Uh, you know, the re-fermentation, it's not going to, if you have a beer that has a diacetyl problem, which, you know, the first beer did not, um, there was just a touch of it. Um, yeah, so everything, I'm, yeah, let me, everything is slight, for sure. I mean, we're just, I'm just nitpicking because we're just troubleshooting even the smallest problem here. And I'm just pointing that out because there is, I want to kind of debunk a perception that, you know, you have this bad, and this is not the beer I'm talking about, but let's say you're a home brewer and you make a beer that has too much diacetyl. Um, where you just don't like it, there's this kind of still sense out there where it's like, oh, just make it sour or throw bread in there and everything will be okay. And that's that's something I like to get away from. But, um, you know, adding uh, this this fruit addition, especially in an earlier stage where the yeast is still viable and in suspension, um, that could help to reduce the diacetyl a little bit more by you know, allowing, allowing the yeast to be a little bit hardier and, and prevent them from going to, going to sleep a little bit. Um, but, you know, Roberto, I want to ask you, um, you know, what when along the process did you add the fruit? How much time did you give it to ferment out? What was that whole sort of uh, side project like? Okay, so basically what it was was it was one month in stainless steel, primary fermentation, secondary in the barrel for three months, and then after that, it was on fruit. And so I just barely pulled this off of the fruit. And and what what and vessel so was the fruit st- in and for how uh, long? Stainless steel. Okay. And so we're looking at this beer is less than six months old. Yeah, I'm really pushing it on this one, but it's really good. Yeah, I, 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 I love I, this I, It was really good at my shop. Yeah, I, I do. I love this it's beer. I love what the fruit's doing with that with that base beer. And so what I'm like trying to think of, Blending. See, uh, that's that's my next step is blending. 
I'm all single vessel. I'm all single vessel, barrel, uh, sours. And so now I just need to learn how to blend. It is something that's developed with time, and it's it's all about sitting down and analyzing each beer for, you know, how much of this character does it have? How much of this character does it have? How much of this character does it have? And when it comes to sour beer, you can break it down into some simple things. It could be sweet versus dry. It could be funky versus clean. It could be very sour versus lightly tart. You know, just that, that's a good place to start. And kind of thinking, you know, are you trying to replicate a commercial example or are you shooting for something that you can't get in in the market? And a lot of times it's hard to get sour beers in the market to compare to. So those are all things to balance. And, uh, you know, going from a single vessel to many vessels can be challenging. Um, more transfers, more beers to keep, uh, you know, filled to the top so that they're not exposed to oxygen can be an extreme challenge for home brewers trying to make sour beer. Um, but once you kind of get the hang of it, uh, it is kind of nice when you're able to blend because you can pull the levers up and down and really lock in something that you like. So, but Hey, True. you're off to a great start. This is some good stuff. Yes. I, I, I am very lucky that I own a home brew shop. And so that way I have that luxury. I have an eight gallon barrel four or five gallon barrels and that are all soured. And so I have that, that little bit to play with. And Absolutely. so everybody's full Everybody's rotating, and so yeah. Did your uh, did your granddad own a homebrew shop and he passed it down to you? Yeah, yeah, no. Okay, so I just want to point out it's not luck. Give yourself some credit, baby. You started it. You you made it happen. Did well, you not? Well, no, no. We we bought an existing shop and we made it work. There you go. That's because not luck. We're, we're brewers. He wasn't. And where is it located? Oh, Dublin, California. There Funny you, you should ask, Jay. <laughs> HopTech is a, a great sponsor of the Brewing Network. You, what? Huh? Oh. But I will say, sponsor or no sponsor, I mean, anyone that's making this good a sour beer on a homebrew scale, well, we would have on this show. It's very no, difficult. No doubt about it. And well, well I, 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 I got Alex to come keep coming back to my booth. <laughs> <laughs> to the back of my booth. We had regular beers in the front, sour beers in the back. And he kept coming back to the back and asking questions and asking questions. But that was all, it was all good. That's great. Well, I want to uh, drink more of this, uh, of uh, Roberto's beer, of Rare Barrel beer, of Side Project beer, but unfortunately we can't do it on the air. Because are we on we an are, hour or two? We are, yeah. We're, we're bound by our, our self-imposed uh, time restraints here at the Brewing Network. The Giants so. game's on. Yes. We, we tried to make it this hour, hour and a half as much as possible. Yeah. So yeah. what do you say, Jay? Should we just uh, wrap it and then uh, go get our our giants on and our drink on off the air yeah we have so many good beers here tonight and now there's this whole lineup of sour beers and sour fruited beers let's get after it yep so i want to thank our guest tonight Corey king boss of sour beer roberto thank you so much for coming in and uh sharing your sour wares it's been the sour hour it's been real yeah it's been fun plug the rare barrel baby it's been what, what, what real you, fun yeah every show uh, What's your, your, your member program? Your, we're coming your, out with a beer, your actual member, which anything. is a blend of three different golden sours called Forces Unseen. It sold really well on tap to the point where it sold out before we could actually release the bottles. Um, so we're pretty excited about that. Um, it's it's kind of our first release where we actually have a decent amount of bottles of this. So we know we were talking to Corey earlier. He's got 100 or 200 bottles of stuff. Now you know we have a, a couple thousand of these, so nice. hopefully, if you get if you haven't tried our beer out there, you know you can try it here, and uh, yeah, 
that'll work out fine. But, yes. Uh, and go to the Brewing Network store, everybody. Go uh, buy your Brewing Network merchandise. It helps us uh, support programming like this, keeps us on the air, keeps people like Jay bringing his uh, spun gold to your ears. One more thing I want to mention. I think we have someone booked for our next show, Troy Casey of Casey Brewing and Blending. I, I'm pretty sure that's locked in. He's doing kind of an all-sour, all-wild thing, a lot like Side Project. So looking forward to talking to Troy. He's been making some great beers. So thank you guys for listening tonight. It's been the Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. Go Giants! (laughs) 